0: Now, we're going to understand how to identify companies in their early stage. Uh, As we we all know that growth is never by mere chance. It is a result of consistent perseverance but with the but the, but with this fast moving world we are hustling in where hustling is the new cool it has become more difficult to identify who is con- constantly moving in the right direction to understand how we identify companies in their early stage we have with us mr sunil singhania founder at abacus asset managers llp Abacus Asset Man- Manager LLP is an alpha focused asset manager invest asset management investing investing firm in India founded in 2018 by Mr Sunil Singhania Sunil Singh- Mr Sunil Singhania has over two decades of experience in Indian equity as ex chief investment officer of Reliance Mutual Fund he oversaw around 11 billion usd of equity assets he is currently appointed on the IFRS capital as Capital Market Advisory Committee. Now, I'm handing over the mic to Mr. Vikas Agarwal, who will in turn be handing over the mic to Yeah,
1: thank you, Pragya. Uh, Hello, Sunil, Sunil, sir, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, loud and clear. Okay, great, great. So, firstly, thank you so much for accepting our request and taking the time out from your business. Online is very convenient. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, basically, sir, this uh, whole idea of organizing this AIF and PMS conclave is to educate and empower the investor community as a whole. And what we are witnessing is that, I mean, you know the fact that globally, AIS and PMS industry as a whole is shaping up very well. And we see huge value migration happening in this industry also. A lot of people are keen to invest in PMSs and participate in basically capital markets too, these two vehicles. So we thought who would be the better person than you to talk about that. Uh, and uh, basically the agenda of the discussion today is to Uh, talk about because at Abacus you know, you bring about now almost four years of consistent track record in terms of beating the benchmark uh, or perhaps the the best in terms of performance. I mean nobody would have outperformed. So the point here is that uh, uh, at Abacus like at an organization you have two different philosophy. You have a sort of multi-cap strategy and the other one is mid and small cap strategy where you prefer to identify some companies at an early stage of their growth curve and right through their growth journey so we want to discuss about that first and then maybe if you can share your valuable wisdom with us in terms of outlook of the equity markets over to
2: you yeah. sir no thanks a lot uh, uh, vikas and thanks uh, aif pms i think you have been doing a wonderful uh, i think effort to to you know take the aif and pms uh, industry to the investors really really thankful to you because we also benefit out of it Uh, I think the broader and the deeper the markets uh, it's good for all the investors including including all of us Uh, coming uh, to the uh, topic identifying companies at an early stage obviously it is very easy uh, in hindsight to say that you know you identified this and you identified that uh, obviously it is very difficult to say that you know uh, these are the criteria which uh, uh, which are sure short short uh, i would say tick marks uh, to identify a company but uh, what i can try and do is out of experience what has worked for us that is what i can share uh, and as you rightly said i'll give five seven minutes of my view on the on the markets it's a short session so i'll try to be be short at the same time a little bit uh, you know fast so please pardon it so see, one no. thing is, whenever you are looking at equity, you have to look at the underlying economy. And whether you are looking at mid-cap, large-cap, small-cap, I think ultimately what you have to see is whether the underlying economy is growing. And more important is the, this, uh, when you are looking at the mid- and small-cap or the broader economy. Uh, you know, So I think uh, coming uh, first is that India offers an economy which is growing quite meaningfully. You know, it took us 60 years since uh, 1947 to 2007 to reach a trillion dollar in economy. The second trillion happened in nine years. The third trillion happened in six years. So in uh, 75 years, we have reached $3 trillion in economy. And that was the kind of wealth which was created by equity investors. The next $3 trillion will take only seven to eight years. So the wealth which we have created cumulatively in the last 75 years will be created in the next seven to eight I think why this is important is twofold. One is the outlook on equity market is very positive. And when $3 trillion of wealth is going to be created, the opportunity available to companies, entrepreneurs, across sectors is immense. So it is very, very important that this growing economy is one tick mark when you look at companies, even small companies. Second is India offers a very diverse economy. We are not like Russia, which used to be only oil and gas, or Brazil, which used to be only commodity. Or china i call it only PSU. i think india has presence in it pharma manufacturing auto uh, digital you know cement infra utilities we are very very diverse and i always say this you know india grows because of entrepreneurs and despite the government we have so many listed companies and so many companies getting listed year after year i think what it does is it ensures that one the Growth rate in the economy is very vibrant. It's not dependent on a few groups. It's, you know, thousands and lakhs and crores of entrepreneurs. Second is an investor. You keep on getting uh, opportunities every year to invest in new entrepreneurs, new sectors, new themes, which again is very, very important, particularly if you want to identify company at an early stage. Level and the uh, and the you know the the kind of consumption which we are looking at is very different. You know, uh, when I was young, we used to get two or three shirts during Diwali, and that was it. be no concept of uh, office wear and sunday wear and eth ledger and uh, ethnic wear suit the suit Now for every occasion we have different things. So I think these are very important because this will lead you to identify companies at an early stage. The other thing is uh, entrepreneurship in India is flourishing. So, even when I was doing CA, the options used to be, let's go to Or company. Or when, comp- when uh, you know kids used to go abroad, the whole agenda was that we will get a good job in the US and we will settle down. Now, it is very different. I think young kids are uh, studying. Obviously, a lot of them would go into employment, but many of them now want to become entrepreneurs startup culture is there, entrepreneurship is there and I think that would again mean that there is an opportunity to invest in these budding entrepreneurs. Other thing is the risk taking ability has increased, you know, earlier again the young guys wanted stability and that was largely because we grew out of a very middle class background, you know, when we got our independence our fathers and forefathers used to focus only on roti kapra, and makan, you know, family ke liye food mil jaye, Now, that is taken care of. And therefore, the young guys have that uh, risk-taking ability to get into businesses. And which is again, you know, that is going to lead for us to have opportunity to invest at an early stage. And along with this risk-taking ability is also coming the availability of risk capital. So this whole concept of angel funding, family offices, venture fund, P funds, international international funds, local funds, they are all available. You know. Uh, so many startups get funded. We have TV shows where they are getting funded. Uh, you know, a lot of them become successful. So I think all this means, along with a vibrant capital markets, that the opportunity in a growing economy like India to invest in companies at an early stage is very, very high. Uh, And I think uh, that I would like to begin with that, that one, there is a huge opportunity to to invest now in early stage companies. The other thing is, uh, you know, you have now what you should look at uh, when you want to identify companies. So particularly when you're looking at smaller companies, the most important three things are as follows. One is obviously promoter. Because a smaller company is promoter dependent. In a large company, you have executives, you know, who have uh, the requisite uh, uh, credentials, qualifications, experience, who are uh, paid well, and they can act like really the really senior guys. In smaller companies, you know, they can't afford uh, very high-salaried uh, employees, and therefore, the whole onus comes on the promoters or the founders. And therefore, when you look at companies at an early stage, I think the capability of the promoters, the honesty of the promoters and the passion to grow of the promoters has to be very very high and that has to be the first stigma. The second is obviously the sector or the theme they are working on. Uh, you know, if it's a very very small sector, even if you get the best promoter, the potential of that sector, the company growing beyond a particular size is going to be limited. So the Sector has to have a scalability and a profitability. approach. Uh, we are at Abacus very value-conscious investors. We invest only in companies which make profit, where there is visible profit growth. And what we pay today should be more than repaid by way of future profitability. And that is, whether it is a mid-cap or a small-cap or a large-cap, I think that is 7%. So for us, when we look at even early stage companies, it is whether the sector has the capability of making profits and the scalability. And last is the size of opportunity. You know, whether the promoters along with the sector potential has in it to achieve the size of opportunity. Because, you know, one thing you have to remember when you are investing in companies at an early stage, your return expectations are very high. Because obviously the volatility and to some extent the risk is also high. So unless you have that visibility of making quite high returns, why would you get into some smaller companies? And therefore all these three things become very, very important. You know, now even when you look at early stage companies or small caps or mid caps, I think there are two types of companies which can come in. One is there is an existing sector market and a new company comes in they either have a some USP where they can compete with the existing company and grow faster the other option is that you know you start a new business which has never been thought by anyone and you create that business so whenever you look at an early stage company I think these two things have to be uh, thought about that whether it's company which is already competing with someone who is established but they have in them to grow faster than the established company or they are coming and creating a separate market like Netflix came out of nowhere and they created a separate market or you know even the the new age businesses in ICA, they came out of nowhere and started competing with the established players or even Zomato and Spigi you know we are not saying that they are good investments or not I am just giving you an example of how they it's created yeah they, they basically those businesses did not exist at the same time there are companies which come in businesses which are already existing but they start to grow faster so in footwear bata was an established player but the new age businesses came and they started you know providing designs which were very different and they grew started growing faster or you know out of nowhere mania were came and created a niche for ethnic wear. Before that, ethnic wear was not supposed to be a separate segment. You know, the old age companies, they were caught by surprise at how, only by selling ethnic wear, someone can create a 30,000 crore market cap company. So when you're looking at uh, early stage companies, all these things have to be basically taken into account. And as I said, you know, India is a growing economy. There are a lot of new sectors coming in. And some of the, the recent successes, you know, I mentioned ethnic wear Been a recent success. It started small, inner wear company like Page Industry, they started small. We have EMS companies like Dixon and Amber who started so small, but they had a new business and they came out of nowhere. So if you would have done the research that, you know, for Foxconn can be $100 billion. Why in India, some company cannot be one two billion billion. The size of opportunity was so huge. Or even in tech and pharma, you know, you come out with a niche, niche uh, tech solution or a niche pharma play you know you you basically work on a niche therapy or even now you know there is a multiple uh, city of d2c brands direct to consumer brands and we have some uh, shoe companies which have got listed uh, some uh, you know garment companies which have got listed on the uh, on the private equity side we have uh, the likes of lens and so many others who have created a niche out of of nowhere you have fintech companies which have come up. You know, it was supposed to be uh, the uh, you know the finance was supposed to be done in the old age manner, but there are now so many companies which are which are uh, only on digital platform. You know, and the uh, and the likes of Zerodha and all they created uh, businesses out of nowhere last two three years. You know, it was it's a kind of fintech, and then you have also some new age uh, companies which are trying their luck, like uh, you know, TV plays or drone plays and so on and so forth. So I think in short, whenever we look at uh, companies at an early stage, all these characteristics have to be there, you know. Um, uh, so there is an opportunity definitely in India because it's a growing economy, it's a diverse economy, there is a lot of entrepreneurship. But when you look at it, you have to look at promoters, uh, the sector scalability and the size of it. This would be the prerequisites. Now, how do you basically identify so few things which we which have worked for us? Obviously, first is whenever you look at a smaller company and uh, you know you basically look at it and say whether this can really give you disproportionate return. I think the first thing which we look at is disbelief. Uh, what do you believe and what does the market not believe? Because where there is disbelief. market price because market price is equal to EPS into P. EPS is the profitability of the company, P is the perception. If only profitability increases, you will make returns in line with the profit growth. But if profitability increases along with perception, you have a multi-bagger. So suppose if there is a company which doubles its profit, Gets double the stock price will become 4x. So I think things where there is disbelief are things which are, at least when we look at it, uh, we see that where there is disbelief and where we believe that things can be much better than what the market is looking at. Second uh, thing which we look at when we say the scalability and the size of opportunity is whether at some point of time in the distant future. The profit of the company can be equal to the current company. So, in a long back, we had a huge stake in Bajaj Finance. You know, the market cap at that point of time when we started buying, when I was in Reliance Mutual Fund, was 500 six hundred crores only. Yeah, less than thousand. Percent. Yeah, yeah. And at that point of time, our view was that in four years, this company will make five hundred crores net. So, technically, sometime in the very near future, we were looking at one piece. Uh, you know obviously we sold also early so it's one of the regrets uh, also but what I'm okay. trying to say is market cap at some point of time should be equal to the PAC as far as the company is concerned. A lot of times you know companies uh, expand a lot and they have huge uh, non-cash uh, uh, expense items like depreciation. So another good way of looking at it is cash earnings. Numbers rather than looking at eps whether can you look at the cash earnings of the company and then related to the market cap and the size of opportunity so if you come across companies where you know the cash earnings is very high that means the companies are going to sustain and then you know if you have one good year you will have a yield the other thing which we look at is how much is already being spent on capex so the balance sheet is already expanded but the benefit of that balance sheet expansion has not got percolated in the PNL. So in some sectors, you know, where there is lumpy capex, what I mean by lumpy capex is like you know you have to spend a lot of money at one point of time, and then the result comes after two three years when the capex comes online. So the balance sheet is already expanded, but it has not got converted into the PNL. And whenever that expanded capacity comes in. Starts to expand and you start to see huge benefits you know so again that is one uh one key uh, thing which we look at uh when we look at early stage so i think just to summarize the early stage before i give five seven minutes of my view on the market is that there is huge opportunity to to invest in mid and small caps in india because it's a growing economy we have presence across sectors a lot of entrepreneurship a lot of passionate entrepreneurship and a lot of new businesses coming in in the market, you know, we have an investment in a company which is into lounge management. Now, this business did not exist for a long, uh, for uh, like you know, uh, till two three years back. We have an investment in a company which is into uh, SMSs, uh and uh, you know uh, WhatsApp uh, response because nowadays all this chatbot and all that come into play. This businesses did not exist for five years back. Now you have that. So you know, uh, with this growing economy and a changing economy and the disruptive. Uh, uh i would say sectors which are coming up the potential is huge but from our side we only invest in profitable companies so a lot of these new age businesses even if they are very exciting at an early stage uh, we frankly stay away from it because we don't understand those businesses so this would be my take on uh, on uh, companies at an early stage coming to the markets and the about yeah, the
1: market
2: so so I'll, I'll, I'll give my perspective not more than five, seven minutes because I'm very sure other guests have also already given uh, quite a bit of their thought and, uh, you know, more often than not, uh, some of these thoughts would be similar. But uh, uh, coming straight, uh, I think uh, the global uh, economy, according to us, the second half of 23 would be much better than what it has been over the last, uh, you know, uh, at least 18 months. And our uh, uh, the confidence is because of the following reasons. One is inflation, which had shot up post the Russia-Ukraine war, is now definitely inching down. And just to give you a small example, suppose the inflation index in May 2021 was 100. In May 22, it became 120 because post the Russia-Ukraine conflict, all commodities, whether it was metals or energy or you know. Uh, uh, food, everything shot up. There, we have already seen massive correction. You know, oil from 130 is down to 80. Metals are down 30-40%. Uh, you know, food prices are back to normalcy. And by base effect, uh, as of May, June 23, even if the current prices sustain, inflation in the US should be almost non-existent. And therefore, I think interest rates our view is that they have already peaked. And second half, we should start to see uh, a, a view coming up of even interest rates being uh, reduced rather than increased. Uh, we saw some upheaval uh, even in the first quarter because of uh, what happened to the Silicon Valley Bank and other regional banks and also credit suisse But interestingly, it happened in May. And May, all global markets ended positive after falling very sharply in the first 10-15 days of the month. you know, In fact, Nasdaq went up 6-7% for the month. Yields in the US, and rising yields was a reason why Silicon Valley Bank failed. It did not uh, fail because of uh, bad lending. It uh, failed because of uh, mark-to-market on uh, yields mm-hmm. going up. Two-year yields from 5% fell to 3.75%. Ten-year yields from 4% fell to almost 3.7. They've inched up a little bit now, but they're still significantly lower than where they were. And interestingly, India, which normally goes uh, in a tailspin when something happens. So, you know, you always have this, that when the world sneezes, India goes into a coma. In 2008, when Lehman happened, currency depreciated by 30% almost overnight. Yield shot up majorly. The same thing happened in 2013. But this time, after the silicon valley bank issue we in fact have rupee which is appreciated from 83 to almost 82. our yields are down from 7.4 percent to 7.2 percent and in fact the post that foreigners have become more positive on india than negative and we have started to see small flows but positive flows after a long long time uh, rbi has already taken the call of uh, uh you know uh, at least temporarily uh, stopping the interest rate increase and that is also being reflected. Lastly, from the global side, I think we had a very strict China zero-COVID policy which was slowing down uh, global growth. We have seen the reversal of it. The impact of it is still not being felt, but it is expected that even Chinese economy, which had the growth had fallen to 2-3%, should now start to grow at 5-6%, which again would be a helping hand as far as the global uh, uh, GDP growth is concerned. So all in all, I think 23 is going to be positive uh, compared to where we were as far as the world is concerned. From India's perspective, India benefited out of the four Ds. One is democracy. I think the world realized that if it's not a democracy, then something which happened in Russia or something which can happen in China is also a possibility. So funds are now moving more towards the democratic countries. Second is the demographics. I mentioned, I touched upon this a little uh, earlier also. We have a median age of 29 years. It is going to be around 30 at least for the next 20 years. And that presents India to be one of the most resilient in terms of uh, GDP growth. Third is uh, the domestic economy. So in 2022, the world was debating whether they will grow at 0% or negative growth. In India, the debate was whether we will grow at 6% or 7%. And I think that was a great debate to have. Uh, And India ended up growing at 6.3%. And even the outlook for the next two years is pretty decent. Last is the digital economy. We lag massively in terms of physical infrastructure. There also there is huge progress being made. But I think we have compensated that to a large extent by way of the progress we have made on the digital infrastructure. This tax collection of 20% and all is largely because of the huge compliance uh, due to the digital infrastructure and the increase in efficiency. And I think this 4 will ensure that GDP in India grows at 6-7% and uh, we would be among the fastest growing economy in the world. Lastly, on the valuations, I think we had become very expensive towards the end of 21, almost 24-25 times. In the last six quarters, we have added almost 25% in earnings and there has been a correction in the broader markets of 10-12%. So on a P basis, we are now back to 18 times FY24 and almost 16 times FY25, which is at a 10-year average. So we are not negative. I would not say we are not uh, uh, very cheap, but we are not very expensive also. All in all, our view is that 18 months returns have not been made. We are in a phase where the next two years can be pretty decent as far as equity investments is concerned. But again, you know, our focus would continue to be on companies where there is visible profit growth because, uh, you know, again, in the last two, three, four hundred years of history of investing globally, that is the only thing which has worked very consistently. So this is a short thing on the topic we gave in the market. Uh, I think we have four, five minutes. Uh, I'm very happy to answer any questions at this point. Of time. Sure, sure. So thank you
1: so much for enlightening us with your thought process, sir.
2: The first question is, do you think FIA is coming back to India? No, I am very positive on that front. In fact, uh, last six months, the kind of, uh, of uh, I would say, interactions we are having uh, with uh, global investors has been unfair. Uh, and, you know, um, in between 2003 to 2008, there were a big move towards India-specific funds or India-country-specific funds. I think post Lehman, that went away. Uh, we are seeing now the signs of that re-emerging. Uh, and, you know, uh, again, in our interaction with global investors, uh, we are seeing their move to to look at India uh, independently. Because, you know, China, obviously, everyone was overweight. And now they are getting a little bit worried about what is happening in China. And uh, um, our view is 2023, on a yearly basis, should have major positive flows from foreign investors. All right. So with that, we'd
1: like to conclude the session here uh, uh, because we are running short of time. So thank you so much for your uh, valuable insights, sir, and thank you so much once again for taking
2: Pleasure. time. Thanks a lot, uh, and best
1: wishes. Thank you.